Praise the Lord. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to be here this morning. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday to you joining us online uh, today as well. What a great gathering we had, the first gathering today. I know this one is going to be no different. Uh, we're going to, I believe the Lord is going to touch you and strengthen you and meet you in a really neat way. Listen, let me just remind you, you aren't here because your alarm woke you up today. You aren't here today because you calendared it, and this is what you do on Sunday. You are here because divinely and providentially, God orchestrated a way to get you here at this time for this moment, whether you're here online or whether you're here in person. My name is Troy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I'm delighted to be able to bring you the message. Last week, I shared with you a message uh, about the gift of healing divine healing from the Lord. And it was what I call an in-betweener Sunday. It was a Sunday between series that I was preaching. And I'll do that you know, somewhat regularly. And this last week, the Lord really spoke to me in my preparation time. I was, I was, I was getting ready to launch a brand new series today. And I, 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 I asked, I said, Lord, it really felt like people responded well last week to talking about the one of four categories of miracles in the Bible and that's healing. Would it be okay with you, Lord? Do you, is, it, is it the right thing to do to pivot and to not do the series that I was going to do and to continue talking about, about miracles? And the Lord absolutely confirmed in my spirit that that's what we should do. So what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're gonna pivot a little bit and we're gonna talk about the four different categories of miracles that we find listed in the Bible in a message I'm calling God, I Need You. The four categories are healing. You'll see miracles of physical healing, emotional healing uh, throughout God's word. You will also see miracles of protection throughout God's word where God divinely protected people. You'll also see miracles of deliverance in the Bible, where God delivered people from demonic possession or oppression. You do not want to miss this. And then you're also going to see miracles of provision, where God miraculously provided for people in the Bible. You will notice that I use the phrase in the Bible after each one of these, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is our job and the mandate that we are supposed to see ourselves through the lens of God's word. In other words, it's not just, yeah, God did miracles for them. God does miracles for us. Somebody say amen. This is a participatory time for you. So if you feel as though God is speaking to you, it's not necessarily that you agree, but it's like, oh my, I received that, Lord. There ain't nothing wrong with using one of these every now and then. Not for the preacher, but just to kind of shake you up a little bit, to sink that deep into your soul. So today we're talking about miracles, and we're talking about today specifically this category called the miracle of God's protection. God protects his children. God protected me in a number of ways over my life. The year was 1979. I was eight years old. My family rarely took any vacations. When they did, it was a vacation to paint the house or a vacation to, it was, they didn't know such thing as a staycation then. It was just kind of a two-week period where my parents could get work done. We never went anywhere. We didn't really do lake days and picnics and all the things that my friends were talking about. On this particular 4th of July, in fact, I remember one family vacation we took the entire time that I was a kid, and it, it is what it is. But this was a special 4th of July. 
some 43 years ago this coming forth. My parents uh, said we're going to go to Edmondson Park, which was the large park in Oskaloosa, Iowa, that I was born and raised in, to watch the fireworks. We had never done that before. We're going to go watch the fireworks as a family. So we piled in the car, and we went to Edmondson Park kind of early, um, and my parents put out the blanket on the side of this big hill that went down to this kind of flat area, and beyond the flat area was where they launched the fireworks off at. It's, you know, it's Iowa. I don't know if you've been to the Midwest, but in July, it's not just hot, but it's very muggy. It's humid. And, and so we're trying to avoid some of the heat if we could. So we put the, they put the blanket down. I'm seven. They put the, or eight or whatever. They put the blanket down um, underneath a tree or next to a tree so we can get some shade from the tree. And well, as the sun started going down, my parents realized that, you know, we're not going to be able to see the fireworks very well because they shot off, you know, one of those sample fireworks uh, just as dusk was coming. And they realized, we're going to have to move. Uh, so we grabbed all the stuff and all the things that we took with us and drug the blanket and everything up the hill, probably another 40 yards. So we're up the hill a little bit further, and now we've got a space. And then I see some of my friends, because I'm in second grade at the time, I see some of my friends that are running around the park just before the fireworks are going to go off. One of them was a girl in my class, Brenda Severant, all right? And, she, and her, her family landed exactly where our family was sitting, kind of next to the tree. There wasn't a lot of room left in the park. We, we uh, I, you know, waved and did the th- all the things second graders do, and then we're sitting watching the fireworks, and I'm doing this most of the time because it's just too loud. You know how your kids do. And the fireworks were going off, and they were kept going and going and going until they didn't anymore. One of them went off, but it never, it never went boom in the sky. But it sounded like I was in the middle of, of a war zone when it went off on the ground, right next to the tree that my family and I were sitting under killing my second grade friend, Brenda Severant, instantly. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. There was no talking about anything. Maybe that's the generation I'm a part of, maybe that's the Midwestern culture, or maybe it's just dysfunction. But I never remember one conversation about how you feeling, was that scary, are you okay? I didn't have God because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Don't ever underestimate what you are gifting to your children and grandchildren by bringing them to church and learning that they can trust in a God who's real. But I did know through my little lens that a miracle had happened. I'm alive. And I should be dead. But I'm alive. And Brenda is dead. I find it difficult to say that God protected me when God did not protect somebody else. And so I want to talk today about the tension of a God who can save, of a God who can protect and does protect, but sometimes things don't go the way that we think they should. We're going to address this elephant in the room because it'd be really easy and really inspirational and really motivational. I could get you pumped talking about the miracle of God's protection, telling story after story from the Bible and personally in your life about how God protected you from that which could have happened in your life, but it didn't. But I don't think it's fair to just talk about that without addressing the other side of the coin, without addressing the other blade on the double-edged sword. And so we're going to talk today about this difficult subject to cover, but I believe it can not only provide some answers 
and probably some comfort, but it, at the same time, it can build your faith in a God who does do miracles. So I'm gonna give you two big thoughts. And if you're gonna write anything down, write these down along with the scriptures that I'm gonna tell you. Um, but the first big thought I'm gonna give you is this, long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Say it again. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before you face something unexpected or something difficult or even something tragic, our good and gracious God already has a plan. I'm going to show you a few scriptural and biblical examples. Long before God flooded the earth with rain that had never fallen before, God already had a plan for Noah and his family and two of the animals to get on the boat. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God already had a plan to provide a big fish to swallow him up and vomit him on the shore. Long before the Israelites were ever cornered by the Egyptian soldiers with a mountain on one side and the, the, uh, the Red Sea before them, long before that took place, God had already planned to split the Red Sea and to allow them to walk across on dry Ground Long before you discovered the bad news about your health, long before you lost your job, long before that girl broke your heart, God already had a plan. God is a good and miraculous God who can miraculously rescue us and save us and protect us. He can commission his angels to take charge over you, to guard his people at any time at the word of his command. He can shut the mouths of hungry lions and he can calm the raging sea. God has the power. Long before you face a problem, God already has a solution for you. So let's talk about this miracle of protection. We talked about the miracle of healing, miracle of protection. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to hang out today. So open your Bibles, open your devices. If you're at home, please do that as well. Acts chapter 16, let me just admonish you, never take a speaker, a preacher's word for it. Never take my word for it. You study to show yourself approved. You rightly divide the word of truth. You look at the Bible for yourself. But as you're turning to Acts chapter 16, let me give you a little context. Um, there was a slave girl. The slave girl, I'm going to guess she was around 12 years old, 14 years old, somewhere in that area. She was possessed by a demon, which, by the way, could be another miracle that we'll talk about of deliverance next week. But she was possessed by this demon, and this demon gave her the ability to foresee the future, to predict the future. And so her owners, her um, um, traffickers, by the way, you see trafficking, human trafficking all throughout scripture. Her traffickers decided that they were going to try to make some money off of this talent or disability or what we know to be demon possession. And they decided that they were going to make money off of this girl. But evidently, this girl became a nuisance to Paul and to Silas as they were trying to teach and preach God's word. So the Bible says Paul and Silas got sick of her doing her deal, and they turned around and they rebuked the demon and they cast the demon out of her, and I could just see the demon coming out of her and her kind of falling limp, exhausted, fatigued, but now she no longer has the ability to predict the future. So she becomes useless to her traffickers. She becomes um, irrelevant, unnecessary. 
And the men who used this girl as their cash cow are now ticked off. And so they begin to get very upset and in their upsetness, they begin to tell all kinds of fabricated lies about Paul and about Silas. Essentially, they stirred up a riot that was baseless. It was totally untrue. And Paul and Silas find themselves to be victims of the lies in this riot. And we come to Acts 16, verse number 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer commanded the guard to, commanded, uh, was commanded to guard them carefully. So what do, we, what do we see in this story? Paul and Silas are out doing what they do. They are serving Jesus faithfully, doing what God has called them to do. Just like some of you, I'm raising my family, I'm going to work, I'm doing the things that I should be doing. See yourself in the story. They're just being faithful to God. And now they're unfairly accused and they are wrongly stripped of their clothing. They are flogged and they're beaten with wooden rods until their skin um, it separates and blood is coming from their, they're severely beaten, it says. If I'm Paul, I'm thinking, God, this, this ain't right. This isn't fair. Why? First of all, because I'm unfairly, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm being unfairly prosecuted here. But secondly, because I'm a Roman soldier. Did you know it was against the law for them to do such a punishment to Roman soldiers, to, a, to, to Roman citizens? He was a Roman citizen. Now, I'm hoping none of you have been stripped and beaten physically. But I'm very much aware that that many people watching or listening right now have been stripped of hope. Your faith that you had, that you once believed that you could trust God in any way, but then something happened and your hope was stripped away from you. Others, maybe you weren't beaten with, with wooden clubs, but you were beaten with words of discouragement, words of discouragement from other people, words of discouragement maybe from a spouse or from a parent, maybe words of discouragement as you look in the mirror and you can say nothing good about this great cre creation that God created yourself. And you, you've been beaten down where once you were vibrant and you were full of faith and then you feel like you've been stripped of what you once held dear and you've been beaten down unfairly. So think about Paul. He's doing what God called him to do, which is what many of you are doing as well. He is publicly and he is painfully tortured and he's beaten. What, what would he do if he's like most people in our culture today? A lot of people, had they gone through this today, would say, God, that's not fair. God, you did not protect me. But what, what, what did God not do in this case? God did not provide a miracle. God did not provide a miracle of protection. I'm gonna, I, I suggest to you, he could have. He could have. But, but he didn't do that. So what did the Apostle Paul do when God let him down? Because God did let him down in this case through these eyes. When God didn't protect him. Let me tell you, here's what Paul did. Paul did what happens all the time today. Paul quit praying. He stopped going to church. He stopped listening to K-Love. He decided he's gonna start listening to nothing but secular music from that point on because I'm gonna show you, God. You don't show up for me, I'm not gonna. That's not what Paul did. 
That's what many do. That's not what Paul did. Let me show you what he actually did. The Bible says about midnight. About midnight. How many of y'all know if you've been put through that kind of beating after you've been preaching that many messages, after you've dealt with that kind of a crowd, after you've had that heckler, demon-possessed girl chasing you around, you'd be pretty dang, dang tired at the end of the day. The Bible says at midnight, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns and praising God after God did not miraculously protect them when he could have. It says that they were worshiping and they were giving God praise. They were lifting up their hands. They were making a joyful noise unto God. I got to wonder what the other prisoners were thinking. I mean, I kind of put myself in the story. What do you think them boys were thinking? They're probably thinking, dude, you are nuts. I imagine they're thinking, these guys are crazy. We've, what's going on here? I've never seen anything like this before. And then the Bible says in verse number 26, suddenly. Don't you, aren't you thankful that we serve a God of suddenly? And then suddenly. Even when you don't see a way out, suddenly. Even when you think you're locked up, Suddenly. Even when you have no hope, suddenly, even when you've been stripped and beaten down, suddenly God shows up. Let me just hit the pause button, not in my notes. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. Keep on worshiping God. Keep praising. Suddenly is going to come. I declare that suddenly is gonna come for you. Grip the plow, catch the wind of his spirit, stay grafted to the vine, suddenly will come. A few minutes ago, God did not protect Paul and Silas, but now God does a miracle, and suddenly there was this violent earthquake, and the, the whole prison was shaken off of its foundation, and, and the prison doors, the Bible says, flew open, and every single chain came loose on every prisoner. It was a miracle. Remember, what is a miracle? A miracle is simply this. When the God of heaven intervenes on earth, that's a miracle. When the God of heaven intervenes on earth, that's a miracle. And remember, God didn't do a miracle earlier when they were being beaten down. God didn't do a miracle then, but he does a miracle now. The ground shakes, the doors fly wide open, the chains fall off. And so what's interesting to me is Paul and Silas did not worship God after the miracle. They were worshiping God before the miracle. I'm sure they praised God after the miracle too, but they were praising God before the miracle. When do we worship our God? We should worship him when we feel like it, and we should worship him when we don't. We should worship him when we see his hand at work in our lives, and we should worship him when we wish we saw his hand at work in our lives. Do you know what we call this? We used to call this, and we should still call this, the sacrifice of praise. I will offer to my God the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes I feel like praising. Some of you did that a little while ago. I know you did in the worship gathering. As we were worshiping, and Pastor Trinity was leading in song, and Pastor Brian and Braden, some of you were lifting your hands, but you weren't lifting your hands because you felt like it. You were lifting your hands because you have faith, 
because you decide, I'm not going to worship God only for what I see him doing in my life. I'm going to worship God for who he is. That's the choice that we make. That's the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice of praise. And so whether you're sitting at home right now, whether you're in your car, I don't know where you're at. I, I, I know where you're at, but I don't know where you're at necessarily emotionally. It doesn't matter how you feel because my faith is not based upon my feelings. If they were, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. My faith is based upon the facts, the foundation that's found in this holy book upon the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that he has given to us and endued us with power for service unto the King. And so what I'd like to do is just interrupt this message to, 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 to pause for just a second and give you a chance and give you a chance to right where you're at, take 15 seconds and just slip your hands up to the King and offer him the sacrifice of praise. Come on, help me. Can you do that? God, I offer you the sacrifice of praise. I mean, I feel like it. I feel beaten down. I feel stripped. I feel fill in the blank. But God, I offer you the sacrifice of praise. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. You are worthy. I know you're working, and when I can't see you working, I'm still going to praise you. I rejoice in you and in you alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they're in the middle of the prison, and it's midnight. They're praising God, and God shows up. There's an earthquake. The jailer sees that the doors are wide open, and he's like, I am so going to lose my job. He's like, I'm really in trouble. They're all out of here. I know they are. And then he's like, oh, no. I'm actually not just going to lose my job. I'm going to die. The officials are going to kill me because I, was supposed, I had one job, right? And the one job was to make sure these guys stay in jail. And so what does he do? The Bible tells us he pulls his sword. He, he puts it on the ground. Presumably he props it somewhere. He puts it up to his chest and he's getting ready to thrust himself on it so that he can kill himself. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. We're still here. Hey, 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 hey. We're right here. We, we haven't gone anywhere. And the jailer's kind of like, well, um, gee whiz, uh, this God that you're singing to, obviously he must be real. Tell me, what do I need to do to be friends with your God? And not only did Paul introduce the jailer to Jesus, the Bible says he introduced the jailer's family to Jesus. Their entire household got saved. I want you to feel this and sense this. And don't you kind of wish, how many of y'all remember Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story? Does anybody remember that? I, I wish I knew the rest of the story. Because if the jailer got saved and the jailer's wife got saved and the jailer's children got saved, that's generation number one. I got to wonder, am I a descendant? Are you a descendant of a jailer who was going to kill himself and God showed up in a real way and saved his life and saved his family and saved his wife and saved his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren? i got to wonder what kind of legacy did that kick off? What do we see in the story? Before Paul went to prison, God already had a plan. God did not... God did not do a miracle of protection when they were being beaten, which seems logical to me. Instead, he did it at the right time. 
He did a miracle of protection when they were in prison. Now that's obvious in the story. There's so many other ways that that God's miracle of protection is not always obvious to us. And usually it manifests itself uh, in such a way that we get hacked off in our lives. You're on your way somewhere important. You're never going somewhere that's not important, right? But you're on your way somewhere important. So you gotta go to work, you gotta get kids ball game, you gotta get home in time, whatever it is, but you're on your way. And inevitably, the guy in front of you doesn't understand that the speed limit is something you can actually drive, right? They're going like half that and you're like, what are you doing? And you're like, I've got a new life bumper sticker on my car so I can't, you know, share with you my frustration. So you just kind of toddle behind him. And, and the next thing you know, he gets through and ding, 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 down comes the arm and you're sitting there for a monster Manteca train. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And so, and you're frustrated. I, if you're, if you're anything like me, you're frustrated likely with the dude that, you know, struggles and is driving, right? Is not as aggressive maybe as you are and I am in driving. And so you're sitting there stewing about this, not really always recognizing, maybe until you calm down, that this train could be, you could be on your way to your kid's ball game. And ding, 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 now you get stuck, you're 10 minutes late to the ball game, and you're frustrated, maybe your kid's disappointed, and your wife is frustrated, but nobody in the family seems to know that had you made it through that before the train got there, that you might not be alive today at all. God's miracle of protection could very well have protected you from that terrible accident that was inevitable. We don't know. We don't know. Um, You wanted the job. You really, really wanted that. You were qualified. You had a killer resume. You nailed the interview, right? You have the education. You have the experience. There's no reason you shouldn't have gotten that job. That you didn't get the job. Somebody else got it, and you're upset, and you're hurt, and you're wounded about it, but we don't know that maybe God protected you because the company was going to shut down six months later. Maybe God protected you from something else. Maybe there was some slickery, sly, seducing woman or man at that office that you didn't even realize was there that could have destroyed your family and ushered temptation into your life that would have brought... You don't know. You don't know. But somehow, God protected you. We have to look at it through, maybe it's that, some, for some of you, it's that guy you dated and you're like, I really wanted to marry that guy and he was the guy of my dreams. And now you're looking back going, dude, he was a nut job and I'm so glad that I didn't, that I didn't, that I didn't marry him. My life is so much better today. The miracle of protection. And so over time, as we mature, As we grow in Christ and grow in our faith and we become more Christ-like, like like Jesus, eventually we get to number two, the second and final of my thoughts today. Are you ready for this? Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Think about this. God delivered Paul from prison until he didn't. This wasn't the only time Paul was arrested. Paul was arrested several times. In fact, we know through Bible and study of the word of God that scholars estimate that he was spent five and a half to six years in prison of of his ministry, of his time, on several different occasions. And God broke him out when the time was right, but God didn't break him out when he had other eternal purposes. Hmm. In fact, After Paul's fifth missionary journey, missionary journey basically means he goes out to plant churches or to encourage the churches that he's planted and to bring about proper teaching and so forth. After the fifth time that Paul went out, Paul was was tried by Nero, the wicked emperor Nero. He was tried by Nero and he was found guilty of this, found guilty of being faithful to Jesus Christ. Hit the pause button. Would you? 
would you be found guilty of being faithful to Jesus? I hope so. I believe so. But it's a good question for self-reflection. So unpause. And so Paul was put in prison for his faith. But he was a Roman citizen, remember that? So it was against the law for them to execute Paul by crucifixion. And so Paul was put in prison and he was executed by being beheaded instead. He is, his neck was laid across a stump and they used an ax once, maybe twice, and he was beheaded. Hmm. God protected Paul until he didn't. God protected the disciples, the other disciples, until he didn't. Until John's eyes were, he was put in boiling oil and until he was just about dead and taken out and his eyes were plucked out and put on an island by himself. Peter was crucified upside down, most painful, torturous way. God protected them until he didn't. It's hard to understand, but God's eternal purposes are much higher than our thoughts and our ability to understand and comprehend. Sometimes God and his eternal purpose, it's very different from what we would want in this moment, but we don't understand it. The, the house that you really wanted, it was my dream house. You didn't get it. The job, you didn't get it. The baby that you prayed for didn't come. The guilty Drunk driver kills the innocent teenager. All of these are stories of real people in my life and my ministry. Hmm. The classmate dies in a tragic fireworks accident. When you experience things, and some of you experience some pretty terrible things, does it hurt? Terribly. Really, really bad. Do we grieve for our earthly loss? Yes, we do. Does it feel in the moment just utterly devastating? It does. But do we continue to trust God? The answer is yes, we do. And not only do we trust God, but we worship God. We worship him when we see him doing everything we want him to do, and we worship him when he doesn't do what we know that he could have done because he's still worthy. How does this all play out? If we serve Jesus who can protect, but he doesn't always do it, how do we live as followers of Jesus? We pray. We pray for God's divine protection. Some 20 years ago-ish, I wrote a prayer called God's Arsenal of Protection. It's just a little prayer, but if you'll go to newlifeca.church. If you're here, stop at the Connect Corner. But if you go to newlifeca.church, click on the resource tab. It's all a bunch of free stuff, just free. We encourage you to get a copy of that prayer and it will help, help you learn how to pray God's word over your life daily for his protection. It's not magical, it's just a guide. But if you pray that out loud daily, I challenge you at creative worship gatherings to do that. I challenge you in the books that I've written, it's in the back and an appendix to do it. I just challenge people every time I get an opportunity, pray for God's protection. Yes, God protected me 43 years ago, this 4th of July. But so much of what is, I'll put it in quotes, is good 
in me today is the result of things that God did not protect me from. My, yeah, I've told you some of my story before. My dad was a, an alcoholic, very volatile. Childhood was riddled with all kinds of netzoid abuse. Probably, I mean, is a reason why I became a target in school as uh, being bullied until I got into the martial arts and, and learned some confidence and self-confidence and self-esteem through that. But uh, it was pretty ugly. I, I'm, I wonder if maybe that's why um, I'm, I'm so sold out to our next generation ministries today. God, give us the outcasts. Give us the unpopular kids, and we will see what you do with that mess. You'll transform them into a masterpiece for the kingdom and glory of God. As a pastor, I mean, we've been at this thing for a little while now, but as a pastor's family, we've been put through it. And I don't say this in any way to get people's sympathy, but we have been, I've been ridiculed, and my wife has, and we've been chastised. We have been utterly hated by people. You should see some of the notes we've got that are always unsigned. We've, I've even had petitions to oust me from churches that I've served in the past. Passed around, never ever manifested into anything big, but because of things, in my opinion, they're just leadership issues. Like, no, you cannot be on the board. Um, you, are, you have a wife and you have a girlfriend. That's probably not appropriate. So, no, you can't. Well, you know, you just tick me off, and so I'm going to rally the troops. You're a nut job. I don't know what to tell you. You're a nut job. And so um, I've got this tension, and I thought, I thought that when I grew up, like some of you, that all that would go away. I, I thought that when I became a pastor, like I've respected pastors. Like some of you would say I became a teacher, became a police officer, like I respected teachers and police officers. We live in a wicked and depraved generation. At the end of time, the love of many will grow cold, the Bible says, and we're living that right now. And there is very little respect anymore. And, and, and I thought... I didn't understand, and I cried out to God. Many, many Mondays I've quit in my mind. And I thought I could do something else. But God has reminded me that sometimes his plan includes pain. And that's okay. I don't think that God causes the pain, but I think he uses the pain. And I don't know for sure about you, but here's what I've concluded. I would rather hurt in the will of God than live in comfort outside of the will of God. I would rather hurt in the will of God than live in comfort outside the will of God. In other words, I would rather be in the middle of learning to trust God when things don't go my way than to be away from his will. And so we just kept on going for Jesus. And it all led us to 11 years ago, decide that we wanted to go on the church planning journey. And we wanted to reach people who have had similar experiences to us. And if this church has done something for anybody, then you might want to thank God for what he did not protect me from because what he didn't protect me from became what shaped me into the human being that I am today.
Let me tell you what Paul never said in prison. In those times that God did not protect him and did not send an angel to break him out, Paul never said, this isn't fair. He never said, forget you, God. He never said, I'm never going back to that stupid church as long as I live. I've tried serving Jesus, and it just doesn't work. That's not what Paul said. But Paul did say that we rejoice in suffering. Paul did say, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I will rejoice all the more. He did say, I delight in hardships and persecutions and in difficulties because whenever I then am been made weak, I know that God is being made strong in my life. He said, what, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble, hardship, famine, nakedness, danger, peril, or sword? No, 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 no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You know what Paul said? He didn't say this isn't fair. He said, we serve a God that is working all these things together for our good, for those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. I am telling you that he is working in your breakups and in your breakdowns. He is working in your losses. He is working in your wins. He is working in the things that you wanted to happen. And he is working in the things that never happened that you really long to have happen in your life. And I hope you'll understand that God never promised, not once, that he would always protect us. You will one day be, you will die. We all will. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus died again, twice, right? I'm, the woman with the issue of blood was healed, but she died. The boy, the little boy in the casket that Jesus touched the casket and he sits up. That'd be a freak show, wouldn't it? And he's back to life again. He died. Everybody but one in the Bible, right, died. Everybody is going, when you'll, we'll all be, what's the phrase? They're pushing up daisies, right? We'll all be, we'll, we'll, we'll always, God did not say that I will always physically protect everyone but he did promise this he said I will never ever leave you I will never forsake you that means I will never turn my back on you you have got my attention not only am I looking at you from the heavenlies I am right here beside you I will never go anywhere you've got me and I've got you sometimes that storm will stop and other times I will wrap my arms around you and we'll go through this storm together that's the promise does God do miracles of protection you better believe he does does he always protect us physically well sometimes you walk away from a fireworks tragedy that you should have been the one. And then there would have not been this, and there, 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 there wouldn't have been, I don't know where she, there wouldn't have been this, or this. There wouldn't be this. Sometimes you praise God because of the protection, but you still praise God if you're Brenda's family who had to say goodbye to their 
their seven-year-old girl that day. You praise him because long before you had a problem, he already had a plan. And if his eternal purposes are different than what we wanted in that moment, we have the assurance of knowing that one day we will dwell with him in glory. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. We will see his glory. And finally, perfection will be revealed. Because through and through, our God is good. Long before you face a problem, understand that God already has a plan. Let's pray. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. God of heaven and earth. Father, we thank you for your presence today. Jesus, to those that are here today or watching online that are facing hardship, I mean real hardship, those that are facing a problem or what feels like a mountain of circumstances, Lord, would you move on us today? Almighty God, give us the faith to worship you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and no one looking around. If you're facing something difficult today and you're struggling, I mean, you are struggling to keep your praise on. You're struggling to keep on worshiping through the pain. I am here to tell you that you are not alone. God sees you. God is with you. And so are we. And so we want to pray for you today. Don't you dare leave this place today, whether online or in person. Don't you dare leave this place today thinking, I've got this because you don't got this. How's that working for you? Let the family of God gather with you and pray for you. So I'm going to count to three, and whether you're here or at home, I just want you to put your hand up to the one who knows the answer, the beginning from the end. This is your declaration of faith, your statement of trust in God today. You don't feel like it, but my God, let him work in your heart and your soul. One, two, three, lift those hands up wherever you're at today and say, God, I need a touch from you. God, I need help from you. God, I need you to minister to me. God, I'm growing weak. God, I'm feeling it hard to worship you and praise you in the midst of how I'm feeling and what's going on inside of me. Father, I pray today for every person with a lifted hand. God, we offer you the sacrifice of praise. God, we worship you when we see it. And God, we worship you when we don't. We worship you when we understand that it all makes sense. And we worship you when it doesn't make sense at all. God, I pray that somehow, by your presence, God, through your word, you would administer comfort and you would bring healing. Almighty God, would you build our faith and our trust in you that you can unleash the angels to protect your children in a nanosecond's time. And when you don't, help us to understand that you are still good. Help us to glorify you no matter what.